everyone, a breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter. And we got a double dipper this week. That's right. The second episode of the week. That's because we got to address this latest signing. This is the Adoree Jackson episode. That's right. The Giants didn't just get the one big signing, which we, which I thought they would do. No, they double dipped. They went back for more. They were not done yet. They were not done spending. Some people might say they were not done overspending. But, I mean, say what you want about these signings. Dory Jackson, former Titans cornerback, 25 years old, played at a very high level. You know, his first three years in the league last year was kind of a, a down year for a variety of reasons. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But, I mean, think about the upgrade that the Giants made at that position. Okay, well, let's look at Kenny Galladay first. So they're basically swapping out Kenny Galladay for, they're adding Kenny Galladay and swapping out Golden Tate, who's towards the end of his career. Big upgrade. But if you actually think about Adoree Jackson, and now you're swapping him out for like Isaac Yadam or, you know, Julian Love, who's stepped in for a game or two, whatever. Like Julian Love can't play cornerback consistently and run with fast guys in the league. Like They played a ton of zone because they knew he can't hold up long term. They got by for a game or two here or there. But so the the upgrade from Isaac Yadam or Ryan Lewis or all these other guys the Giants were throwing out there this year, out there last year, to Adoree Jackson is significant. And what I really like about the Adoree Jackson signing is I think he's the perfect complement to James Bradbury. On one side, you got the long, more physical cornerback. Obviously, James Bradbury played very good this past year. Uh, borderline great. Pro Bowl. And then on the other side, you have the speedy, you know, man-to-man guy who could run with, this, with the burners in a Dory Jackson. So, really gives Patrick Graham a lot of options when they're at full strength. And then the plan, I believe, is to have Darnay Holmes in there in the slot, up and down rookie year, kind of got picked on early, uh, got better as the year went along. I, I don't think you could be certain he's a good slot cornerback yet, but you could at least be hopeful. So, you know, throw in a, a three good safeties, and the Giants have a secondary, man. Now, here's the problem. Do they have a pass rush? How, is, 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 is it, does it do you any good to have a great secondary if you can't really rush the passer? Because edge rushers is this team's weak spot. We all know that right now with the composition of the roster. Edge rusher is 100% the sweet spot. But that's not what we're here for. We'll get to that. We got six weeks to talk about that until the draft. It's actually less than that. I don't know. I said maybe probably five. We got five weeks until the draft. We'll talk plenty about that. But in the meantime, get excited. The Giants made two huge moves this week. Like huge in that these are substantial players. Now, look, I talked to a lot of people. My phone was blowing up after the Dory Jackson move. And most of it, to be quite honest with you, I mean, I got like five to seven text messages from people around the league, ranging from like general managers, executives, uh, scouts, agents, like, what are the Giants doing? Like, they're spending crazy. They thought the Dory Jackson price was overpriced, $13 million a year. Uh, the Eagles were in it. I don't think they were in it much past ten. And the Giants end up going to 13. And this isn't bogus, you know, 13 either. Dude's getting 27 million, pretty much guaranteed, over two years. I mean, that's that's big boy. That's a big boy deal right there. And this the third big boy deal 
of the offseason for the Giants. Because remember, they signed Leonard Williams, even though that was their own guy in his franchise. So they signed Leonard Williams, Kenny Galladay, and Adoree Jackson. Combined, $111.5 million guaranteed. The only team, I believe, at last check, that had spent more than that in guaranteed money this offseason was the Cowboys. And that's because Dak was basically all, you know, because he's just, you know, a high-end quarterback and he gets over $100 million guaranteed himself. So the Giants were big spenders. So all you and I, I tried to say it over and over and over again. Don't worry about the cap. This Giants team is in fair shape with the cap. They still are. They're reworking money as we speak right now with James Bradbury and Blake Martinez to free up some more money. And there's plenty there. I mean, you, you know, you're talking about over another $10 million in cap space just with those two guys. So the Giants were in fine shape because they didn't have any of these big future deals. Now they have some big deals on the books for the future. Now it's a little different. But everyone's like, oh, they're right up against the cap. How they have no money? How are they going to I kept saying, don't worry. They have plenty of money to spend. Cap is not an excuse. And what I think happened here, by the way, so I thought the Giants were going to make one big move, Obviously, aside from Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams, we, we kind of knew this guy's going to come back. I mean, they, they needed to bring him back, and they had a, they were going to have to overpay for it because of the, the way they went about it from the start. But then I said I thought they would either get an edge rusher, and trust me, they tried. They went really hard <laughs> after uh, Leonard Floyd. Apparently, he was, you know, I went over this last time. So they went really hard after Leonard Floyd. Didn't get him. They go and they get Kenny Galladay. Now, so they get one of the two positions they needed. Then they're going to say, okay, we'll, we'll turn to the draft for the other one. So they get wide receiver, edge rusher draft, edge rusher, or actually cornerback draft. And maybe next year we'll fill the other spot. Then Adoree Jackson, though, is available. And I don't think the Giants thought Adoree Jackson was going to be available, right? This isn't like your 27, 28-year-old guy that was cut and – the, you know, the, he, you think he's a good player, but you really don't want to make that long-term investment. It's, it's not worth it. They have a guy that they liked. By the way, Adoree Jackson is a guy that the Giants had very well regarded in that 2017 draft. That's the draft that they end up taking Evan Ingram. Now, Adoree Jackson went before the Giants pick. Actually, let me plug that up. I, when I was looking at him, there was a bunch of guys the Giants liked in that draft, again, that went right before they picked. Uh, I'm going to pop it up in one second. It was kind of like the second year in a row that that, that happened to him. It was crazy. So the Adoree Jackson got picked 18th by the Titans. Oh, they actually liked O.J. Howard, which might not have been a great pick, at 19. And then Garrett Bowles at 20. And then Jared Davis at 21. So these were all players the Giants kind of liked. Next thing you know, they're drafting in Evan Ingram at 23. Adoree Jackson had a good start to his Titans career, basically, but then kind of faded out here. So it's funny how the Giants essentially went hard after two guys that they liked in the draft with Leonard Floyd, who was, I believe, 16, and then Adoree Jackson, they go get who they liked in 2017. And also, I want to bring up this point. The Giants basically just took their money and they reinvested it in a different way. And they decided, and I, I kind of, I don't, this is kind of why I like the deal uh, to a degree, right? I like the fact that they added a cornerback. They took the money that they could have put into Dalvin Tomlinson and they put into a cornerback instead. So to me, nose tackle, cornerback, it's a lot easier to find a serviceable nose tackle than it is to find a serviceable cornerback, right? Cornerback is a tough position to play. So the Giants found a good quality cornerback, at least they hope. You know, he last year he might not have played that way, but he did for the previous three years. So they find a good quality starting cornerback, and then they could fill in the nose tackle 
with guys like Austin Jackson and maybe some guy, you know, late round pick or, uh, a, you know, a cheap minimum signing. And I think that's the right move because it's an easier position, nose tackle to fill. And they already have Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams on that line. So they already have some, and BJ Hill's a decent player, I believe, that at least you could fill him in and he's a good rotational piece. And so is Austin Johnson. So they're, they're fine there. And then they add on the back end. Now, the only question is, would you rather have invested that money instead of as a cornerback into the edge rusher position? I probably would say yes. And we'll talk about this a little bit with my with our guests coming up in a few minutes. We got the, the, the Dory Jackson insider to Ron Davenport to help us out there. But would you rather I would rather have. OK, I feel like if you have a pass rush in the edge rushers, you can cover up deficiencies on the back end. You have strength on the back end. You can't cover up a deficiency if you can't. If you can't get to the quarterback, I don't care how good your secondary is. You're kind of screwed. So that's the only thing I'm concerned about here with the Giants. The overpay, sure, they probably overpaid for him. They probably overpaid for Galladay. I think with the way the cap is going to go up in the future, with the situation the Giants were in where they needed an influx of talent, of top, high-end, you know, at least, you know, good, even if they're not great players, it doesn't bother me that much, the overpay. But I do look at it and say I'm concerned a little bit about the roster construction of the way they went about it here, but how they did secondary without pass rush instead of the other way around. Now, they'll get a, they'll get a, an edge rusher in the draft, but remember, how many years until that edge rusher really develops? Sometimes it could be two. Sometimes they might not even really be dynamite till the year three. You know, it's a tough position. So that's the one thing I'm concerned about. But still, there's reason to be excited about this Giants team right now. Like, yeah. They could compete for a bad NFC East right now. If Daniel Jones is legit, and that's ultimately what it's come down to, I pretty much always say that, but he has the weapons. There's no more excuses there. You know, The defense should be pretty good. They might have to find a way to manufacture some pressure, but they should be pretty good. They have too many good players to be a bad defense. This isn't like three, four, five, six years ago, in the, minus 2016, where the Giants just didn't have the talent. There's talented players now on this roster. And that creates excitement for this season. For the first time in a long time, really. I feel like the Giants have a decent roster. I really do. They have some good players all over the roster. Weapons all over the roster, right? Uh, they have good safeties, good cornerbacks. Blake Martinez, good defensive linemen. Their offensive line is, is a real question mark here. Daniel Jones also. But if some of those guys can develop, just some. They don't even need all. Andrew Thomas can take that big jump in year two. And Daniel Jones, take that big jump in year three, all of a sudden you're feeling good about this team. And you don't hear that much from me. I have been very honest with you over these past eight years about how, for the most part, the roster has been pretty bad and uninspiring. I didn't see a lot of good players. But I feel excitement now. And I know Giants fans, I'm feeling it from Giants fans, they're feeling that excitement. So let's learn a little bit more about Adoree Jackson to get you excited, all right? On to the next one. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
All right, let's talk to Teron Davenport. Here's a guy who knows Adoree Jackson. He's our ESPN NFL Nation reporter down in Tennessee covering the Titans. Teron, how's every, how's everything going down there? Hey, Jordan, my man. Everything is well, man. I hope everything is going just fine for you up there in, in the NY area. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, ten, Nashville's a good place to live, though. I mean, you, you're not you're not doing too bad for yourself down there. It's a hot know, city man. these I'm days, you know that. Yeah, it's on fire, man. I'm loving it for sure. And <laughs> life is good. Well, <laughs> life is good for Dory Jackson too, because if you saw that wow. deal, I mean, that's that's a big boy deal. Free agency this year. $13 million a year. What did you think when you saw that? I was, it was jaw dropping, you know, because it, it's just crazy. The Titans let him go. So that way they saved 10.5 million. He turned around and got a deal for 13 million per year over three. I think that's a real good uh, testament to, to him hanging in there and just making it work, man. I, I thought it was really interesting. I, I figured that he would end up with the Eagles, but hey, here we are. He's with the Giants. Yeah, I mean the Giants made a, a hard pitch to him. I mean there was a there was a lot of sales pitch going on there, and you know they brought in you, you know Logan Ryan because he was down there in Tennessee. Oh, yeah. That was like the guy that they brought in. Say, hey Logan, meet him in New York, take him out the night before, fill his ears up with like some nice words, and let's see, uh, you know, if we can get him in here. And, and were they tight when you do you remember that like that, those two being tight? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Logan Ryan, he was kind of like, you know, I'm a Mets fan, so I'm going to say he, he did the uh, Edwin Diaz thing, man, and, and close that deal. But, um, yeah, I was I was really tight with Logan um, what, when he was here and, and really cool with Adoree. And, and those two together, they were definitely tight. That whole secondary, they used to call themselves MMCMB, my man catches no balls, and they definitely were close. They did, they did stuff, you know, outside of the – the facility together, you know, all of their, you know, whether it's their wives or their girlfriends, like they had a nice, nice close group, including Kevin Byard and Kenny Bacaro. So those guys were definitely tight knit. So no surprise then that that Logan Ryan and his wife were there to meet Adori, and I don't know if it's his girlfriend or wife, but yeah, you know, to yeah. meet them, and that was they they went out in the city. I believe it was the four of them. So they, that makes a, makes a lot of sense thinking about that right there. So oh, absolutely, it makes a lot of sense and. Adore kind of touched on it when he, he was on his presser and asked about Logan Ryan. And, and it's definitely something that, that we saw every day when they were in practice. You know, just Logan, the way that he was as far as a leader and just as far as like a big brother for a lot of the guys in that secondary. And you saw it on the field, too, the communication. And even every time they came out for pregame intros, it was Logan Ryan who was breaking them down. And I actually got to get into the huddle a couple times and just kind of listen to the things that, that he was saying. And yeah, it, it got me fired up and I wasn't even suited up. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. he's absolutely that's Logan Ryan though. You know what I mean? Like he was like that even year one with the giants. Like that's, that's the role he has in this league at this point, you know, like yeah. that's his person. Yeah. Everything about him just says like, that's who he is, you know? Yeah, no doubt. So you, you watched him play for what three years, whatever it was uh Dory I'm talking about. What are the what what do you think the Giants are getting? Because you know, the, last year wasn't a great year for him, but he 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 was a lot better uh the previous two seasons, especially on the outside coverage one on one, but last year didn't go so well. So where do you think he is in his career and what are the Giants getting? Yeah, the Giants are getting a very athletic cornerback. I think when you look at a door, he's very smooth as well. 
And the thing that I like about him is he's able to, to cover a, a corner and even or receiver and even press him at the line without touching because his footwork is so good. He's good at mirroring. He's a, a solid, sticky type of cover guy. I would like to see his ball skills get a little bit better because there are times where he'll mistime his jumps, you know, and not get that interception. It'll right. be a pass breakup. But after seeing him at USC, you kind of expect him to be a guy that will turn the football over a little bit more. So that hasn't happened. But when it all connects, the guy is really good. I remember seeing the Titans have him in cat coverage, traveling with Tyreek Hill, and he did a pretty solid job, all things being considered. You know, Tyreek Hill is different, but he did a job against Josh Gordon. You look at 2018 against the Patriots, outstanding job. You watch him against the, the Falcons in 2019, very good coverage on Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. When he's on point, he's on point, and he's a really good corner. You just got to keep him on the field. But there's definitely a lot to like about him. Yeah, the, the thing that I think really entices the Giants is he has that speed, right? So you could put him on those yeah. speedy receivers. But James Bradbury, well, really good player, Pro Bowl player, played great last year. That's not his his strength, right? He's like the taller, longer guy. You want to put him up against the Mike Evanses of the world. Like that's his, you know, ideal matchup. Not the not the speedy, just you know, deep threat guys. So Dory kind of fits that role and gives him like a nice one-two there. Uh, does, that, does that sound like, you know, um, I, I got the right read on Adore there? Oh, absolutely. You have the right read. And that's, in fact, what they did here with the Titans when Malcolm Butler was on the team. He pretty much took on the the, the speedy, or excuse me, the, the bigger, more physical receiver. And Adore Jackson covered the, the speedy one. You know, you watch yeah. a, a good example is him against T.Y. Hilton, you know, over the years. And those were some battles that, that they absolutely had. Well, now we got to get into the down part, okay? It wasn't a great year, 2020. Yeah. Really, anybody, m- many guys, if any, on that Titans defense, right? And so right. Odori struggled a little bit, apparently. And the Titans weren't too happy with him. You talk to other teams around the league, and apparently it, it's, you know, they weren't saying great things about him. And he, you know, he kind of contends that, you know, his knee, which he injured early in the season, might have contributed to that. He wouldn't say that personally, but this is what you hear behind the scenes. He took the high road when we when I asked him about it in that press conference, say his introductory press conference. But tell me what you think about the fact that he had he supposedly I mean, I didn't I'm not lying. I'm not going to lie here. I didn't watch a ton of, you know, Dory Jackson specifically this past year. But tell me about what you think about the idea that he had a rough year and why the Titans would be so down on him. Yeah, I mean, he did have a rough year because he was coming into the year with a lot of expectations. I remember him at training camp. His coverage was really good in one-on-ones, and everything seemed like it was right on course for him to obviously play well enough to come back on the fifth-year option and play himself into a contract. It seemed like he was going to be a Titan for a while, just looking at how far he had progressed in camp. But then the injury happened. And, you know, he was placed on on IR and, you know, everything just kind of went downhill from there. You know, the guy was out, I believe it was 13 games that he missed. And, and when he came back, it, it just it wasn't all the way there. And that's to be expected. If a guy misses three fourths of the season, you know, it's kind of hard to expect him to come right in and, and be OK. And he missed a lot of practice time, too. That's the other thing. We would see him in the building riding the bike. And then occasionally, maybe two or three times, uh, like right before the Steelers game, he was out there practicing and, and with them. And, and it seemed like he was going to be, um, you know, taken off of, of the, the IR injured reserve, but it, it didn't happen. And, you know, 
it, it wasn't a good year for him. But, and I, I think most of it does revolve around the knee. Cause I mean, if, if you're not healthy, you're not going to be able to show your best ability. So why do you think the Titans cut him then? Yeah, I, I think, you know, a lot of that comes down to a, a couple things. They felt that they could get similar production and, and productivity out of a, a, a guy in, in Janoris, Jack Rabbit Jenkins. Ironically, we know him. We, I, know the, I know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> they felt like they could get what they were getting from Jackson uh, at a much lower cost, you know, and they wanted to recirculate money into the front end of the defense. And that's something that went into to sign a Bud Dupree. So I think that's really what it was. They were frustrated with that whole secondary. It was a highly priced secondary, and they gave up, I think it was like 28 touchdowns through the air last year, which isn't good, right? And they were very right. bad in main coverage, so they wanted to get that together. So I think that's why. And then obviously there, there were some frustrations in regards to how the whole injury thing took place and, and how the rehab and the recovery – took place. So that was a factor too. Seems like that went sour real quick, which is, you know, a little head scratching, but the, the thing that's interesting to me here and, and you just mentioned it. So the Titans realized, okay, the way to build your defense is not to have all these expensive pieces on the back end. Cause if you get no pass rush, you're going to, you, you have no chance anyway, which seems to be like what happened to them last year. And if I'm reading this right. And now the giants yes. are, the Giants are here building their back end of their secondary, and they're almost like the Titans. They have nothing in, in regards to the edge rusher, you know, position and, and their front really pressure-wise isn't going to be a great unit. Maybe they can manufacture it, but and they were able to last year. So it's like two teams on the opposite end of the spectrum here, and it's like, and, you know, obviously, Vrabel and Judge are close. So what do you think of that? Like, what do you think of the Giants experiment now? You're looking from a distance, but they're kind of trying to do what the Titans did. Yeah, and it's really interesting because very similar to what the Titans were last year, you know, the best guy on that defensive line is an interior guy in, in Big Cat Williams. You know what right. I mean? And yeah. just the same, the best guy for the Titans was Jeffrey Simmons. It's arguable now, you know, Simmons or Bud Dupree, but uh, that's absolutely right. And I, I always look at it, you know, the front end and back end, they're only as good as each other. And it, it's like there are going to be times where you're going to have coverage to to – warrant covered sacks, but then there's other going to be times where you're going to have that pass rush to help a DB who may have gotten beat. Now the quarterback is throwing an off throw because of the pressure. So it's both ways. And I, I personally, I think it starts with the pass rush. I'm always going to look at it that way. So I'm not sure what, you know, as far as what the Giants are doing, you know, I was curious even just why Marcus Golden, you know, was, was traded. Even I thought he was a good player for the Giants. Yeah, that was that was a strange one. He just never got in the good graces, it seemed, of the new regime. And uh, he kind of was back because of some strange, you know, contract, I don't know, thing that, that he ended up back and, uh, you know, because his market wasn't there. And so he they just were able to retain his rights for cheap. So like, oh, why not? Let's just take a shot on him. So uh, but I'm curious what you think about. Adori long term though. Like were you surprised? Like what were the reactions you received? Because I received a lot of people from around the league. They thought the Giants overpaid. I'm wondering what you yeah. heard and what you saw when you when you got the three years, 39 million and 27 guaranteed over two years. Like what, what were your, you know, the messages to you and the and, and the impression you were getting of what people thought about that around the league? I had a couple of people tell me somebody made a mistake and we're gonna see who because yeah, one right. team released. And another team signed him to that deal. 
but there was a lot of surprise. And, uh, you know, another person just, they asked me like, who, who, why are they doing this? Because it's almost like they're competing against themselves. You know, obviously there, there was some interest from the Eagles, but did the Eagles make a significant offer? And, yeah. and those I think are the, the, I think the Eagles were out at around 10 ish. Yeah, see, so and you know, maybe they would stretch a little more, but still, the Giants got the 13 for God's sakes, and that's a solid deal, exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely a head scratcher. Interesting. Well, you're right, we're gonna find out somewhere along the way who was right or wrong here. And uh, uh, how surprising was it that that to you that you know, Dory Jackson's not there a year later? I mean, you're talking about a 24, 25 year old, I think 25. He's twenty. Yeah. He's twenty five years old. I mean, if I told you last year, Adoree Jackson wouldn't be on that roster, what would you have thought? I would have been surprised. And even you know, like I said in camp, you know, it, it seemed like he was playing himself into a, a position where he would be here in Nashville for a, a, a good while. But that's just how the league is, man. Things Not will change, long, right? That's what it's for. That's right. <laughs> Not for long, or you could say, "Not for life," because you rarely have a guy spending his whole career with the same team. Yeah, for sure. The I like the Giants. Giants live by the slogan, you know, "Once a giant, always a giant." And I, it always makes me laugh because you, you know, it, it maybe it's true for like some of the Super Bowl winners and some of their past players, but like. You know, NFL teams cut guys left and right. Guys go come and go. Yeah. I mean, the fact that once a giant, always a giant definitely does not hold true for every giant. Like, it's impossible in the NFL. So that's why I kind of find it ironic that they, they, they say those things. But I'm, no I'm on a little tangent here. So, but uh, Tehran, we appreciate it. As always, great insight on Adoree. Uh, and you, you're you crushing it over there, covering the Titans. Keep do, Keep doing your thing, man. Yeah, for sure, man. You're doing this the same, man. It's, it's good following along, seeing your work. So uh, thanks for having me on, man. Anytime. On to the next one. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact. Helping the small stand tall. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Teron's a good dude right there. He's obviously plugged into the Titans pretty solid. Uh, knows Adori pretty well. So I, I, liked, I liked what I heard from him there. He thinks he's going to you know, return to his pre-2020 level. Remember, 2020 was a crazy season for everybody. He was banged up the knee. I think was undersold that knee injury. So uh, a lot to be optimistic about here with the Dory Jackson signing now, in addition to the Kenny Galladay move, in addition 
to the Leonard Williams resigning. So that's where the Giants are. And, uh, you know, you don't hear this this side of me very often. You really haven't. This side of me has been like you know, hibernating for most of these last eight years. Although I was optimistic actually going into the 2017 season after they did well in 2016. And then, boy, did they flop in 2017. And they got a lot of injuries. But anyway, so I'm going to do a little Jordan on the beat. This is the portion of the podcast where I take you inside what it's like to be a beat writer for the Giants, work for ESPN, cover the NFL in general. And I'm going to give you a little insight, not too much because you can't give away everything here, uh, into the Scoobs business and explain to you this whole Dory Jackson thing of where I was and how this all went down. So we know he's in for a visit right on Monday. And I got to take my daughter to a soccer game. So first, I have to pull over on the side of the road and report something about the Nate Solder contract, about how his 2020 year is void. So my daughter's in the back of the car. I pull over to, to put out a quick uh, tweet on the Nate Solder contract. And then we get to her soccer, and I'm told that the deal is close from a source. Uh, and then someone else tells me, yo, the deal's close. So I'm on, like, on my toes, right? I'm, I'm pins and needles pacing around this indoor soccer facility, you know, getting ready. I have everything set up. I have the tweet set up to send out. I have an email to send to the ESPN news desk, like right when I know. I'm waiting for just the thumbs up from my source that it's gone from close to done. And and then it's like a race because the way these things seem to work, I mean, it's it's just a stupid game that we all play, but everybody wants to be first and you want to be there and you want to break news and it's a big deal to be able to break news and maybe it's more for our own egos than anything else or uh, it does lend credence to your stature as a reporter, I believe, as well. So being able to break news is important. So I'm sitting there and pacing back and forth. I finally get the go-ahead. I have to send something to ESPN and then tweet and blah, blah, blah. And it really, I guess, rap sheet got it out there 30 seconds before me or something like that. But we're all racing to see who gets it up first. And I'm doing it while at my daughter's indoor soccer game pacing back and forth by myself, uh, you know, writing a story on my phone, like popping up, like I probably put four or five paragraphs together, sent it into ESPN to have on, on the second it was done. And and this is how, this is how it goes. Like you're trying to live your life while also getting news around it. And you never really know when it's going to come. I mean, like we waited all day. It had to come at what, six o'clock, right? When the, my daughter's soccer game started, but you have to be on at all times. And you have to be ready. And I, I had everything ready, and I knew it was going to go down. And I was telling, I told a couple, a couple people, my boy Dave Rothenberg, I'm like, "Yo, it's close. It's going to happen." And he got all excited, so he's texting me. A couple of my other friends are texting me, like, "What's going on?" And uh, you know, I'm trying to ignore. I'm trying to be ready for when it actually goes down because it's all everything happens in like one minute. And if you're not by your phone, if you're not ready, you lost. It's over. So basically, the second get the get the thumbs up, you know, on your phone, you go with it. And then this person's reporting something, that person's reporting something, and like five, six, seven people have it in like within five minutes. Crazy. Crazy business. The scoops business is, is nuts. Uh admittedly, I know it's a stupid game. I probably shouldn't be as concerned about it as I am, but everybody is in our business. I don't care what they'll tell you. Uh it does matter. So, you know, and I want to win. I don't like losing. I'm a sore loser. 
Who likes losing? It's the same thing. I tell players that all the time and coaches like I, I like to win also. You know, I'm trying to win. I'm trying to I'm trying to be first. I'm trying to be the best of my job. Just like you're you're trying to win. You're trying to be the best of your job. You're trying to beat every other team. Nobody wants to lose. Nobody wants to be pedestrian or bad at their job. So crazy business. Crazy business. So that's the end of this episode of Breaking Big Blue. Second one of the week. As always, like, subscribe, tell your friends. Breaking Big Blue's taken off. If you're not on the bandwagon, they're missing. But I'm keeping the door open. I want everyone to come along. Come on. Join. Bring your questions to whatever questions you got. I'll try and answer them. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, email. I'm looking out for you guys. I'm Jordan Ronan. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. See you next time. <laughs>